I grew up in New Jersey, and uh, my, it's a, my family history is a long one, so I won't go too long on it. But my dad was an alcoholic and worked on Wall Street, and uh, my mom was involved in the occult, and they both accepted Christ at a later age, and my dad, uh, his life was radically transformed, and he uh, felt the call on his life to become a pastor. So we packed everything up, and we drove across uh, country, from New Jersey to California, and uh, I got beat up every day for having a New Jersey accent. So I lost that accent in about two weeks and was like, dude, I've lived in California my whole life. So, uh, but my parents, kind of being young in the faith, would watch a lot of Christian television. And uh, so one of the shows they used to watch was uh, uh, Praise the Lord with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. And then they'd, they'd watch uh, that, and then uh, Pat Robertson uh, on the 700 Club, and then uh, Paul and Jan Crouch on uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And so this was on in my house a lot, okay? And before you kind of make fun of, you know, that or the whole thing, we actually learned a lot of scripture through, uh, through those three ministries. And so uh, when Jim Baker fell, it had a... Because I was about, when I first came out here, I was 11 years old. So I was about 13 at the time. And you can imagine to like, you know, we, we moved from New Jersey and we come out to California. And my dad's in seminary and we're learning, all this stuff is new. And, and so here's this guy that I've watched on TV over and over and over again, getting up there crying about, you know, how, how terrible it was. And then not long after that was Jerry Falwell. And, we, you know, we can go on and on and on and on and on. And what do, we, what do we call them? We call them hypocrites, right? And if you're like me, you know, the worst thing you could call me probably is a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. Matter of fact, this goes, whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you just showed up today, I mean, the thing that we all can agree on is nobody likes a hypocrite. And we see it in politics, we see it in the church. I mean, I, I would imagine statistically in this group, uh, you've probably had a pastor fall. And most likely, the term that would come up over and over again is, what a hypocrite. How do you stand on this stage and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell people not to do this and not to do that, and yet in your personal life, you're doing it? And there's something about hypocrisy that kind of get that we all have kind of a moral meter inside of us. Again, whether you are an atheist or a devout follower of Jesus Christ, we all can pretty much agree that there's a little meter in us when we see somebody get caught for the very thing they're always talking about. It's not right. As a matter of fact, we, we actually appreciate the guy who gets caught, who said that's what he was doing all along. Like, in other words, the sin of hypocrisy or, or getting caught in hypocrisy is usually worse than whatever the crime was in the first place. So if you hear God, some guy, he's a partier, he just, you know, ah, whatever, I live my life, and you find out he's got an affair, you go, yeah, well, yeah, I would have seen that. But if you hear of someone who preaches against having an affair, having, oh, then the, the, the sin of hypocrisy, I mean, that is just the worst thing. So what is hypocrisy? Here's a de definition from Webster. A person who feigns some desirable or publicly approved attitude, especially one whose private life opinions or statements belie his or her 
public statement. So a lot of, here's, here's my definition of a, of a hypocrite. Anyone other than me. <laughs> and I would imagine that's probably your definition too. Because what we do with hypocrisy is we ascribe value to different things. And when we see that the value on the inside doesn't match the value on the outside, we go, that's not right. How can he preach against that? How can he talk against, how can that, that uh, politician say he's for family values when he's doing that or doing that? Because there's some kind of a disconnect between what's happening on the inside and what's happening on the outside. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, it's pretty much every day, isn't it, for us? Every day, you and I are hypocrites. Now, you go, man, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. Well, here's the thing. It's not as bad as you think. Because what, what happens with the whole idea of hypocrisy is we've, we've pretty much taken the value. I mean, basically, under our standards, we can't keep up with it, right? Because here's what I believe. I believe that we, uh, uh, there's a holy God who's completely holy and that I cannot have relationship with him except through his son, Jesus Christ. And once that relationship begins, his Holy Spirit begins to mold me and that I need to live a life that's perfectly without sin to please him, to be an example to those, to have a deep relationship with him. And yet it's impossible. I set myself up to have my outward actions not match what I really believe. We've all set ourselves up. So we have to go to the scripture and see what are the things that God sees as truly hypocritical that we can allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of and what are the things that God doesn't see as hypocritical to release us. Because I would imagine that there's some sitting in here that don't feel like they're uh, um, qualified for ministry because if they did so, it would be hypocritical. And I see more people who are bound by the feeling that they can't be used by God than I do people who are pious and yet are hypocrites. I see more people who think they're unworthy because their actions on the outside don't match what they truly want to be than I meet people who are really trying to just fool, fool people. I don't meet very many true hypocrites. And yet, our Heavenly Father says, be careful. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in Matthew chapter 23. And you can turn there with me if you'd like. We're, not, we're going to go through quite a bit of scripture this morning. And uh, I want to just uh, kind of prepare you for that to get your minds ready. This is going to be a little more scholarly than we've been doing in the past. So, uh, so pay attention. Matthew chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere in, the, in one of the chairs in front of you. Uh, and Matthew, if you go to uh, the New Testament, it's the first book of the New Testament. So if, you've, uh, not, if you're not familiar with the Bible, open it up to the table of contents in the beginning, and you'll see it divided by Old Testament, New Testament. Go to the New Testament, and it's the first book. And then uh, go to chapter 23. So Jesus, here's, here's, let me give you a little bit of background on what's going on. This is two days before Jesus dies. And he, he knows, okay? So it's not a shock to him. He knows that he's got about two days left. And if I were going before the people who were going to kill me, I would tone my rhetoric down a little bit. (laughs) 
You know, I wouldn't want to make them too angry. If you're going to kill me, make it fast, right? That's my motto. But Jesus understands there is a much deeper work that's being done here. He's saving humanity. And so in the last couple days, his rhetoric, his, his speech gets passionate. And when he gets passionate about uh, uh, things, this is when we pay our, I mean, every word of Jesus we pay attention to. But these words, the last two days, he is beginning to really bring it to him. And this is what he says. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. It's just a seat that was in every synagogue that basically said, you to man, okay? So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. Listen here. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. There's a term we hear all the time, right? He doesn't practice what he preaches, okay? It goes on, and let's go to verse 5 real quick. This is the key. Everything they do is done for men to see. One of the first keys about hypocrisy, motive. What is your motive? Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 17. I think it's verse 5. We have it up here. Yeah. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah, pro- oh, it was switched. Verse, uh, chapter 17, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 7. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people honor me with their lips, but their motive, their heart, their intent, who they truly are, is far from me. Now listen. If you have a heart that longs to grow closer to God, you're already on the right track. I just want to let you off the hook there. Because a hypocrite, a true hypocrite, his heart is far from God. He's not interested in the things of God. He's interested in the things of men. Now, actually, on your bulletin on the very top, I have a, um, a little uh, thing that you can fill in right now. Go ahead to that section here. At the root of hypocrisy is the inability to assess value. Now, you say, what? What? I thought it was don't practice what she, uh, or don't, yeah, don't, yeah. You're not practicing what you preach, right? No, here's the thing. You value what men think more than you value what God thinks. And this is where we have to be so careful, church, that we don't go in to hypocrisy. It's at the root of it. You cannot value, you don't understand the value of what God thinks about your heart. It's more important about what men think. Well, when that's the definition, man, can you think about times in your life when you've thought more about what people think than what God thinks? I know I can. Man, that's scary to me, okay? So at the root of hypocrisy is the inability to value uh, what God values, okay? One, one, One glaring example of this is in Genesis chapter 25. And uh, it's telling the story about um, Jacob and Esau. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, uh, Joseph, and um, Jacob was Joseph's, uh, was Joseph's dad. And in Genesis chapter 25, it tells a little story about jo- uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau was hairy like me, okay? Very hairy guy, that's what he was known for. Jacob, he was a good-looking guy. And so Esau would go out and hunt. He was a man of the earth. He was ready to go. And he comes back, and he was the firstborn. And so he's got, um, he's got the birthright. He's got the inheritance. 
Okay, what, when, 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 when his dad dies, he gets it all. So he goes out and he's hunting, and Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. And he made a really killer stew. <laughs> You're like, so? Well, what happens is Esau comes back from hunting, and he's, he's just, he's hungry. Have you ever been that way? You come back from a practice or a workout or work or whatever, and you come home and somebody's cooking something, like when Lisa cooks stuff, and I come, oh man, I'm so hungry. I just want to eat it right there. That's exactly where Esau was. And so what happens is Esau says, give me some of that stew. And uh, uh, Jacob says, give me your birthright. Now, so this must have been killer stew. I mean, (laughs) honestly, this was the most expensive stew you'll ever had. It was an endangered species or something that they had cooked up in there. There was some value to this stew. But Esau was hungry. And so he valued this stew. He valued the current situation more than he did the future situation. And he sold his birthright to Jacob for some stew. And this is what God says about it in verse uh, 34 of chapter 25. Yeah, I got it right this time, okay? Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. And God looks at this situation at a different time and says, what J- I love Jacob, but what Esau did, I hated it. Because he couldn't assess the value of what he was doing. Now listen, church, it's so important. Every time we enter into a situation And we act in a way to please men. And in doing so, do not please our Heavenly Father. We act as Esau did. And I'm not even going to give you any examples because I I love the Holy Spirit so much. This week, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be in a situation and you're going to either be ready to say something or act in a certain way. And and the Holy Spirit, your Heavenly Father, is going to say, Do you really value men's opinion more than mine? Now, Jesus, let's go back to chapter 23 because that kind of set up what we're talking about. This is what Jesus goes off on the Pharisees for. Seven times he says, woe to you, you Pharisees. Six times he calls them hypocrites. The Greek word is basically an actor on a stage. You're just acting it out. That's not really who you are. You just pretend to be this role. You're playing this role. Have you ever seen... For the life of me, I don't understand why they get actors to do uh, like political commercials because they're like, I mean, actors are professional liars, really, aren't they? I mean, they're professional pretenders. (laughs) Like a really good actor makes you think, like I honestly think Tom Cruise can throw some bubble gum against a glass thing and have it blow up and dive through get away because that's what he did when he was Ethan Hunt on Mission Impossible loved that movie right I mean it just I I was caught up I I really thought he could they could do those things I mean they're professional liars (laughs) right I mean they're pretending it's make okay movies are make-believe okay I just want to let you guys okay right but that that's yes I'm sorry to let it okay so and and that's the deal and so when you look at here Jesus is saying to the hypocrites Don't act religious when inside you're not. Don't say you love God when inside you really love men. And he gives a whole bunch of examples in this chapter. And so so in this particular chapter, six times he calls them actors. 
hypocrites. In the book of Matthew, 14 times he calls them hypocrites. Why? Because of their motive. Because of their motive. Let me, t- let me give you uh, some uh, examples right here. So in Matthew chapter 23, it says in verse 5, everything they do is done for men to see. And he calls, he says, woe uh, uh, seven times. And he says, listen, you're a hypocrite because you tell everyone, oh, you got to come and learn about God. And when they come, you just tie a whole bunch of stuff on them and say, you got to be just like us. When you tithe, you tithe to all the way down to the little tithe. He, he says to them, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You tithe all the way down to your little seeds. You tithe 10% of your little seeds, and yet you forget the weightier things of the law. Again, you've assessed value incorrectly. You think that tithing is of great value, but you haven't forgotten, you've forgotten the value of justice and mercy. You're, you, you've been like in the Old Testament with Nebuchadnezzar, you've been weighed in the scales and you've been found lacking. You don't understand value. You, you're valuing men uh, more than God. And he goes on. He says, when you swear, not, not swear like we think of swearing, but, but what they would do, and that's why we had the fingers crossed on the back as a, kind of our, our thing, is they, would, they had this whole system of how to lie. <laughs> like if you said, I swear by the temple, then you could kind of do your own thing. But if you said the gold in the temple, and Jesus is going, you hypocrites. You're valuing all the wrong things. He goes on. He says, uh, um, you say that you wouldn't have killed the prophets. And this is so awesome. In two days, he knows they're going to kill him. And so all, it goes heart after heart after heart. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because it's really important as we look at our own lives, let's not look at, well, am I acting the way I don't? Let's start from the inside out. What is my motive? And as you begin to look, and as I begin to look at my heart and say, Lord God, I want to follow you with all that I am. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says how the Bible describes that. From the inside out, it says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Everything that is you, love God with that. And it will manifest itself on the outside. See, the the Pharisees, they would wear these things that the Bible calls phylacteries. And basically, this is a practice that started in 400 BC. And they put little boxes. We talked about this a little while ago when... when, um, They asked Jesus what the greatest law was and the Pharisees got the greatest law on his forehead, okay? It's in a little box. In that box was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when the Pharisees said to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He had it right there and Jesus is going, this is not where you should have it. It's here. And so this is what he was talking about. He said, you make your phylacteries large. So you can imagine the biggest box on your head would make you the most spiritual, which I personally think we need to go back to because I think that would be awesome. You're just driving down the road and you're just like, hey, how's it going, buddy? You know, and you can barely see, you know, whatever. And then they'd wear these tassels. The, 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 new ta- the Old Testament actually talks about these, but they'd make them longer and bigger to make them flow and they'd love to be called a rabbi. Everything was for the outside. Now listen, church is so important. It's important for you and it's important for me. God hates 
that. He hates it. He wants your heart. He doesn't care. I mean, okay. We talk about sin enough in this church to know that he doesn't want you sinning, okay? But God wants it to start from the inside. He wants it to say, God, I want to please you. I don't want to please men. Now, here's the problem. Where we get caught up is I I hear some people, they say, well, you know what? I just speak my mind. I just say, if someone asks what I like, I just tell them I don't like that shirt or I don't like that because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Okay, well, you're just an idiot. So pick whichever one you want to be. I mean, the scripture speaks to that. It says, as far as it's dependent on you, be at peace with all men. He says to Timothy, Timothy, just be, through humility and gentleness, relate to people. Okay, so it's not being a hypocrite just to be nice, right? So we, we sometimes go to the other extreme. But let me show you what Paul, uh, what Paul says, because what he says is really important. He says this. Oh, oh sorry, that was, yeah. Before this verse, Paul is saying essentially this. My heart wants to follow Jesus. But my actions don't match. But he doesn't call himself a hypocrite. He says, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? I so desperately want to do the right thing, but I'm trapped in this sinful body. I'm trapped in this body. Now watch, this is the thing. He assesses The perfect value. Wretched man that I am. In other words, this body of mine is is sinful. Who will rescue me from this? And then he values God correctly. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it's not men that we should be pleasing. It's God. Because here's the thing, guys. We can fool each other all day. I, I honestly could fool... I could be fooling you right now. You guys are looking at me like, I could be fooling you right now. Most of you don't know what my home life's like. You don't know what my, you don't know any, most of you don't know that much about me, come to think of it. Next week we'll have half the number of people here, right? I can fool you, but listen, please listen. I cannot fool my heavenly father. I, I can't fool my heavenly father. And quite frankly, his opinion is the only one that matters. I can't fool God. You cannot fool God. You can make it look to me. You could come up to me, Pastor John, I want to lead a men's Bible study. And now, you know, this is what I've learned. And you can fool me all the way. You could, be, you could own a casino and all this kind of stuff. You can fool me all day long. But you cannot fool God. And God will allow it for a season to woo you back, but ultimately, you, he will find, the mask will come off. Paul says it this way in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. Let's go ahead and put that one up. He says, right now, we see in a, in a, in a poor reflection. Okay, we, when, 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 I, when I look at you and you look at me, it's a poor reflection. When I look at God, I can kind of figure it out. But then, when we're with him face to face, when he's right there and we understand his value. Look at it says. Now I know in part, then I shall know, know fully. Listen, even as I am fully known. Did you know this morning you are fully known? God knows everything about you. Fully. 
There is nothing you're hiding from him. You might be hiding it from me. You might be hiding it from your spouse. You might be hiding it from the people at work, from the people that you go to school with, right? From your family. You might be hiding all that, but you're not hiding it from God. And here's what God's saying this morning. Stop. He's not saying, well, Whatever you were, you know, go do it in public now. He's saying from the inside, let's work on this from the inside out. He says, um, there's a section, uh, and do we have the one up there that I don't even judge myself? Okay. Paul talks about, um, in, uh, let's see, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 3, okay? Paul says this, and this is such a great, and this is what we're going to close with. 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 3. I should have had these on a little uh, thing. I thought I put that one up, but this is such a great verse. It's one of my favorite ones. And this gets right to the heart of the matter. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. And you think, wow, that, okay. <laughs> that sounds killer. Watch, watch, because Paul's got this value down perfectly. He goes on, he says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. Now listen, listen. This is what he says right after that. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. And you think, I thought God was a God of love. He is. And that's why he wants to go all the way to the core of who you are and say, listen, that's what I want to work on. And let it start from the inside. Let this relationship with Jesus start in a way that makes such a huge impact that it shows up on the outside. The Pharisees, in, in Matthew, going back to Matthew chapter 23, this is, what, this is what Jesus was going after him all the time. He says, you wash the outside of the cup and dish, but inside it's full of greed and envy and filthiness. First wash the inside, and then the whole dish will be clean. It's the inside. Let me ask you, is there something this morning you need to, you need to stop faking and work on the inside i'm going to read another uh section of scripture real quick because it, it really talks about what uh jesus is saying here it's at the very end of matthew 23 he goes through and he calls them fair, uh, hypocrites six times and now listen he calls them blind five times they're blind pharisees blind men blind guides why because they don't see the value in a relationship with God, and they see more value in, in what men think. Paul says, I don't even judge myself. Now watch, Jesus at the very end, and this is, what, this is his plea to you and to me. He says in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. Listen, here's the motive. But you were unwilling that's a heart issue you are unwilling now look your house is left to you desolate for i tell you you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord they had the messiah right there they had jesus right there 
And they were more concerned about what other people thought than what he thought. And we can, all day long, we can look at the Pharisees and say, how did they miss it? How, how did they do that? How, how is that possible? It, it's possible every day. I do it every day. Where I, I start to begin to think, well, what's that person going to think? What's, what's that person going to think? Instead of saying, what's God going to think? And, and guys, this is so crucial to our faith to value what God thinks because God is valuable. 